0: Now, I believe this means that a battle starts. Oh, the little mm. one showed
1: up. We mm. ah, 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 knew it. it! We're all gonna right. die! Where is that stop. thing? Welcome to Witch Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we center ourselves to share focus and build the perfectly ordered stack in the mind. Next up, we try to survive in the barren icy wastes as a deadly infection rages in The Thing Infection at Outpost 31. And lastly, we built beautiful colored stained glass windows out of dice? Oh yeah, in Sagrada. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel.
2: Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I approve this message.
1: Hi, I'm Ed Povladek. Playing
3: the game means treating your dogs like gentlemen, and your gentlemen like dogs.
4: Hi, I'm Joe Unfried. All right, panelists, now let's go through it again by the numbers. It's been 48 hours since our man Pobolitis returned from Castle Wolfenstein.
0: Hey all Kurt Covert here. Honestly, I, I just came here for the
1: French toast. <laughs> we do make good French toast here yeah. at Wiggy Yeah, it's game really Fest. good. <laughs> that is true. Well, Evan is away on a tour in merry old England promoting his new book, The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, How to Know What's Really Real in a World Increasingly Full of Fake. While he's off with his skeptic crew, we're delighted to have the amazing, really real, Kurt Covert from Smirk and Dagger Games. Kurt, thanks so much for joining us today. We have played quite a few Smirk and Dagger games here at Witch Game First. We're going to be reviewing one really soon that we played. We had... A great time playing with you called Tower of Madness. It is so fun.
4: Yeah, we had a great time with that. (laughs) It's the best prop I've (laughs) seen in a game for a long time to start with, yeah.
1: Boy, oh boy, it's one of the cleverest designs I've ever seen in a game. You guys should check it out online, Um, Tower of Madness by Smirk and Dagger Games. Because you're a game publisher, I wanted to ask, which game did Smirk and Dagger do first and why?
0: Oh, well, let's see. So the very first game that I published, although I didn't do it first, the very first game I published was called Hex Hex, um, and that was way back in two thousand and three. It uh, it dropped in my warehouse on Halloween Day. So, um, yeah, um, and the why? Well, I had struggled once. I decided, hey, let's let's take this imaginary journey where I, I'm actually like a a board game publisher. Um, and I had tried to, uh, to create, um, games from scratch instead of just doing expansions for games that I loved, which is really just what I was doing, just kicking around having fun. And once I started to, to do them, uh, by myself with nothing but a blank sheet of paper in front of me, I found out how hard it really was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those first games, I had two beautifully, uh, built games. They were lovely to look at, but they were Boring as hell. They were just like (laughs) four-player solitaire games that were embarrassing, and I hated them.
1: I think we've all been there. (laughs) I think any designer or artist of any kind has been there. Yeah. But now you've got some absolutely gorgeous games out. One of the things I like most about Smirk and Dagger is there's always something interesting in the box. For example, the dice in Tower of Madness, you didn't want dice that were screen-printed, right?
0: Right. Well, so... This is a dice game, and you, and you certainly don't want to have screen-printed dice where the, the, the ink flakes off. So, um,
1: Yeah, and that's the level of care I'm talking about. I really enjoy that about your, your, uh, your game pieces. You have some lighter games that your company is getting into with smirk and laughter. Um, can you tell us about the titles that you've got going on right now?
0: Sure. Well, yeah. So for 14 years, I did really nothing other than take that games. That's kind of where I planted my flag. And when I established the company, I wanted to stand for something rather than be, you know, we do great games for everyone. And by planting that flag and and committing myself to a a, a game style that I really enjoyed, that actually was was terrific because it was um, people who came to play one of my games, if they really enjoyed it, they became true fans because I was consistent on the kind of experience you'd expect from each game. Um, and I really liked backstabbing games because they were so emotionally charged. Um, it was.
1: <laughs> you like that drama?
0: Well, I do because I'm generally a nice guy. But I think it's fun to step outside of yourself and just be terrible to people within the safe confines of a game get it out of your system Uh, yeah
1: as role players we can strongly agree with that
0: so it's it's kind of fun to you know to plan something horrible and the little smile creeps across your face and then you let (laughs) them have it and laughter ensues and it's the you know they curse your name and there's laughter It's it's all of the all of that wonderful you know arc of highs and lows is is really what i enjoyed about the games that i brought forward
2: it's really helpful, too, that you planted your flag that way, because as a designer, I've seen myself and other designers go, oh, Kurt would like want to see that game <laughs> because it fits right into his wheelhouse.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you mentioned smirk and laughter. Smirk and laughter was a plan that I had been kind of cooking for the past three years in the back of my head. Um, it was eventually my goal to do this full time, um, which I, I am now doing. But yeah, Uh, but now that I'm doing it full time, I can't just be one game a year. And the thought about could I really create six really strong, compelling, backstabbing games every year? Because five to six games would really what you need to do, you know, a full time game company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't I don't know if that is possible necessarily Uh, The other thing was, you know, while I did a really great job of building an audience for Take That Games, if you didn't love them, and there are plenty of people who it's it's polarizing and they don't enjoy them, I had nothing else for you. And that's not a position I could actually be in uh, as I move forward. So Smirk and Laughter was a way to broaden my shoulders without diluting everything that I had built.
1: We played "Nuts So Fast" from Smirk and Laughter, and we did have a really fun time. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's
2: like ages eight and up, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, "Nuts So Fast" was the game when I when I saw it, I was like, "That, that's the game I actually want to launch this new brand with because it's a boisterous party game. You're like, you know, laughing right out of the, you know, right out of the gate." Um, it's a it's a great quick reaction game, and you're making horrible mistakes and smashing your knuckles together, and it's 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 a wonderful wonderful game.
2: Yeah, it doesn't drift very far from your original uh, flag that you put up either.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say because it's it's easy to imagine how that would fit. Um, and and then I followed that up with uh, before there were stars, um, and the reason that I I wanted to have two such different titles was to kind of. Th- Show the broadness of what this new brand was going to be, yeah. And I'm really still looking for emotionally connected titles. Um, But now there's a new palette of colors to paint with rather than just like the, you know, the shaking a fist and cursing people's names and and that. (laughs) Now, you know, it can be warm. It can be um, tense filled. There's a whole bunch of emotions I have never tapped before. And smirk and laughter can hit all those. And Before There Were Stars was the title, I I went after it because when I first heard the pitch from Alex and Matt, they basically said, hey, this is a storytelling game, and you're an ancient lore giver of your people, telling creation myths. You roll these star pip dice, you have to form the night sky, and you're scanning the heavens looking for constellations to pull in your story. But it's all about the appreciation of everyone's creativity at the table. And it rewards people not for best performance or um, who told the funniest joke, but who had a cool moment. And anyone can have a cool moment. So it's it's this wonderfully heartwarming experience. It really shows the breadth of where smirk and laughter can go.
2: That's cool. It sounds like it involves a little bit of role playing, which as a group we love role playing. Yeah, it
1: yeah. now sounds like a have to play kind of. Yeah, <laughs> <game> <laughs> I for know. Us.
2: We definitely need to get our hands <laughs> on that one. That's awesome. When is that coming out? Oh, it's out now.
1: I see the buy now button right here. Yeah, on Smirk and Tacker Games. It's uh, <laughs> September
0: seventh. It came out. Uh, it, that's the street date, um, and we had them for uh, for Gen Con. And by the way, at Gen Con, we were absolutely shocked. The 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 Board Game Geek Buzz. It's that you know kiosk that yep. you go into and you, you mm-hmm. type in. You, know, I love mm-hmm. this game here at the show. Before there were stars hit number one on Saturday.
2: Wow! Wow! Nice. Awesome! Excellent! Congratulations. Yeah. There's a lot of competition there for that, too. There there were
0: 620 new games (laughs) offered at Gen (laughs) Con.
2: Oh, man.
0: And we'd never, ever crested, I think, 38 Ah. in years previous. And on Saturday, we were sitting in the top 10 all three games.
1: Wow. All right. Yeah, I mean, we are so happy to have you here today Uh. to be on our panel with us. So before we get into it, though, I want to ask you, is there anything very soon coming out?
0: oh yeah thanks for asking so in two weeks on uh october 17 koi will be hitting the market and koi is this uh beautiful i mean stunning to look at box and art uh it's all about koi fish and uh it's a light strategy game for one to four players where you're a koi fish swimming through the pond trying to get the best meal you can of dragonflies and frogs
2: they eat frogs i didn't know that <laughs> oh, the, oh yeah sure
0: they're delicious Uh, you're you're able to add to the board by adding more lily pads and uh, frogs and decorative stone and everything you add is either going to help you a little bit or hinder someone else just a little bit but it ends up being a very zen very serene light strategy that not only has enough gamer tooth for you know established gamers but it's going to be the game that they bring people who are you know not typical board gamers families and friends you know it's a great gateway game into the whole strategy realm so
2: is the art kind of like the watercolors like uh, Japanese art?
0: It is yeah and um, I found actually uh, an artist to do this Christy Freeman who um, took uh, Bill Lasik's design and I said, you know here's here's generally what I'm what I'm looking for and she was she's a fine artist out in Chicago. And she has a gallery. And I was like, oh, well, there's no way she's going (laughs) to take time to do this. But she was (laughs) delighted about the prospect of working on a board game. So, um, yeah, she jumped right in. And my God, it is stunning.
1: So when does it come out?
0: Uh, So that is in two weeks. So uh, it's October 17.
1: Oh, right around the corner.
0: Yep, And then right after that, completely different headset, just before Thanksgiving, so probably, you know, mid-November, uh, we're going we're going to introduce uh, roll for your life candy man. Ah. Uh, <laughs> now this is a 10-minute speed dice version of smashing cookies into bits. It's it's like arena style combat. You are rolling dice like mad trying to get like a four matching icon so you can grab the candy cane at the center of the table and claim a limb. Um, it is
2: <laughs> it's just
0: ridiculous silly fun. Uh, you can play it as, like, one skirmish, you know, whoever's last man standing, or play three in succession, and then you're counting up body parts that you've collected to see if you've won.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for the the game that it's uh, derived from, there's a chant that happens in the hall. Uh, Gen Con tournament, yeah. Yeah, yeah at, the, at the Gen Con tournament. So are you going to have a chant for this game, too?
0: You know, I don't know if it necessarily goes there, but... Uh Um, but yeah, certainly you're able to rip off all, all the limbs and
2: (laughs) that's the important. That is the part
0: at, at Gen Con, it truly, it's like our most popular event this year. We had 76 people, uh, playing at once Mm -hmm. and the chance, you know, are things like, you know, uh, since you're removing limbs, you're like, rip it off,
4: rip it (laughs) off as they
0: tear (laughs) off the sheet or, you know, uh, one of the other ones. And this one is probably what's going to, uh maintain itself into this new game is if you are able to claim the head of uh, someone else's cookie, you're supposed oh. to stand up, hold it above your head and say, you know, behold, the head of my enemy! <laughs> yeah. In which case... So you're going to have 76 <laughs>
2: people in a room doing it oh, yeah. at the same time. It would be amazing. And
0: the response to that is that all 76 people out in, in the audience then go haru <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's so fun to watch in a big hall. Oh, yeah. oh my I, God.
3: And when I hear that, I just kind of go right over there. And I'm like, what's going on over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it
2: definitely
0: draws a crowd. Um, we're going <laughs> to take that same event over to uh, PAX Unplugged in Philly. So, Oh, oh yeah. Cool. We'll yeah. be
1: there. Oh, very cool. We'll be yeah. there. Uh,
2: come and play. Not that we can miss it. Yeah. Giant candy yeah. cane and giant dice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So we'll definitely see you at PAX Unplugged. And... <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Kurt, for joining us today and being our guest panelist. Our first game up this week is The Mind, designed by Wolfgang Warsh, published by Pandasaurus Games in 2018. Number of players, two to four. Ages eight and up. Runtime, 20 minutes. Ed, let's start with you. What'd you think?
3: Meditation and harmony with your fellows will be essential to
2: safely navigate The Mind. (laughs) Mike, how about you? The inside
4: of my head can be a scary place. Are you sure you want to go there? Joe, how about you? This game challenges you to reach out into the shared consciousness of your fellow consciousnesses. (laughs) Kurt?
0: (laughs) So in the spirit of the game, without actually saying anything, I'm going to totally tell you how much I like this game. Here we go. You ready? (laughs) Ready?
1: I got it. He loves it. I got it. I got, you got it. it. Okay. I got it cuz I was focused. And I have never seen a game inspire more communal mindful moments than this one. Deep breath now. Hands off the table and play. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it feels like to play this game. So, let me tell you a little bit about it. This is a card game. The rounds are called levels. Each player receives a hand of cards equal to the number of the level. So, one card in level one, two cards in level two, etc. The players then try to lay the cards down in a single discard stack in numerical order. Now, we're all working together in this game, but the players cannot communicate in any way about what numbers are on their cards or anything else. So, needless to say, there is a lot of focused, quiet concentration with many pregnant pauses. <laughs>
4: So when you
1: feel the time is right, you play your lowest card. If no one holds a lower card, then the game continues. But if you overshot and another player did have a lower card, they have to stop the game, discard a life and the card, and then continue. If the players lose all their lives, they lose. Occasionally, completing a level earns you an additional life or a power-up. And if the group completes all the levels without losing all their lives, they win. How on earth could this possibly work? right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah
4: it doesn't seem feasible but i guess it was
2: well we got through uh, i think four levels yeah. before we uh lost our life when it says no communication do they really mean no communication like yeah. of any kind yeah oh wow so you just like stare into each other's eyes and then just go bam and just
0: play <laughs> and
1: <Yeah>. it. <laughs> it's funny that you ask mike yeah to yeah. play it
0: in its purest sense there is absolutely nothing that you can do to communicate. Now, what ends up happening, though, is those pregnant pauses and meaningful looks and um, just about to reach for your card, you know, all of those kind of things become communication, Hmm. but they're not really.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We tried (laughs) to stay away from meaningful looks because it does say in the rules, you know, no gestures, no signals of any kind. Mm -hmm. Silence can
4: communicate a lot.
1: And and that's essentially Mm. what you end up depending on is the silences, those pregnant pauses, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) Kurt, when you play this game, how generally successful are you?
0: So we actually cleared um, a number of levels pretty well, and now I'm a Jedi, so I use <laughs> I use all kinds of you know mental communications that really, Kurt. <laughs> oh yeah, just you know I'll throw out thoughts, but <laughs> uh, but no, it's 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 actually pretty interesting because you know what you end up doing is you start feeling out. Okay, it looks like someone has. No intention of playing anything. They probably have high cards. Right. You see someone else who looks like they're struggling. Should I play this now? It's subtle, but you you can start seeing hints of that. Oh, yeah. But then you start saying, well, how tense do they feel how much are they struggling right. no I'm gonna, i think i'm lower i'm gonna play it
2: so there's a lot of inadvertent body language that you're kind of paying attention i don't
1: even to. know if it's inadvertent it really is just pausing and stuff like that and yeah. to kurt's point it can actually be painful watching if you know who you're playing with, and in my case, uh, the last time I'm playing with Ed and Joe, it's painful because I know these guys so well. I know exactly where they're going to mess up, and there's not a darn thing I can do about
0: it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there was one point where me and Joe were both holding a card, and I'm like, I, I have the one hundred in my card in my hand, so I'm, I, I know I'm last, and I'm like, all right, Joe, just play your card, good. <laughs> and I can't say it, but I'm like looking at him like, please proceed.
1: Ed and Joe appear to be at a stale Neither one will lay a card on the table. They sit still as idols, both thinking they have the lowest card. Ed and I both know full well, Ed Joe has to go. I don't know what Ed has, but I know Ed, if Ed is not going... He has 99 or 100. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just watching in pain.
3: We end up at each other's eye for like, I don't know, what was it like a full minute?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you probably get a whole different experience playing with a mixed crowd of people you don't know or people you know really well.
1: Mm -hmm. I think you definitely get very different experiences. And I think this game could be a lot of fun with new people. Um, each Mm -hmm. time. You know, I think you're going to get a completely different experience. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it could even be an icebreaker. You get to know somebody by the way they react to the game.
1: Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Yeah. Silence speaks volumes, in this game (laughs) especially. (laughs) So one thing
3: Uh. we never really use, and it's one the only real communication you can use in the game is you can raise your hand, and if everybody raises their hand, that means you agree to use one of the shooting star power cards you have, which allowed everybody to discard their lowest card. We didn't end up using that, actually. We always kind of thought, well, that seems like a resource you want to save for later in a game. Mm -hmm. Which we never
1: got to later. That was our problem.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, that was now,
1: not later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wonder if a certain style of gamer is going to do better at this game. We played several times in a row, and the sensibility definitely improved with each play. So, our mm-hmm. ability to sort of rhythmically identify where we were in the order from one to 100 definitely improved. And I could easily see a group getting very good at this.
3: Yeah, I think the trick to me seems to be kind of getting in sync on a uh, form of clock. So, you just kind of know, oh, like at what time you're supposed to play that two versus a 22. Yep. Uh, yeah.
1: And Ed and I seemed to sync really well with our with our style. And what got us a couple of times was being really close together numerically. Oh, yeah. There was one time it was like 20 and 22 or something like that. We were one card apart from each other. And that one we messed up. You know, it's like hmm. Ed went right before me and he was actually right after me. What did you guys think of the art? I thought the art was cool. I love the little
3: bunny doing the pose.
1: He's oh. doing the Gyan Mudra pose,
2: <laughs> which <laughs> is, one. you know...
1: It's a meditation pose to help you improve oh.
2: focus. The- oh, is that where you like cross your legs or something like that?
1: It's the one... It's the it's your classic OM pose with your middle finger and thumb in a circle. OM. He seems so focused that he is floating off the ground.
2: I feel like a pro poker player or a group of them would be really good at this game. <laughs>
4: yeah. I don't know. Um, well, that, that uh, yeah, that's true because you're always tr- sort of trying to bluff, out-bluff your mm-hmm. opponents. Whereas here... You don't even want a hint of misleading them. Yeah, it's actually it's the opposite.
0: It's it, it's the opposite of, of a poker player. But I think what's wonderful about this game is that it's a different experience, and I think everyone who plays it comes in pretty pretty even. And th- there are probably going to be people who who pick up on nuances a little bit better than others. But I don't know if there is necessarily a someone who's going to be like wildly better than another player it's just using your gut and it's it's almost a little bit like playing chicken it's like you know who's gonna (laughs) who's gonna go first i really think it's gotta be me at this point yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) but one downside i saw about the game is uh you have to shuffle after every round so with a a deck of a hundred cards were just a little bit big to, to shuffle comfortably and doing it at like, okay, we all just played one card. Now we got to shuffle. And okay, now we all just played two cards. We got to shuffle again.
1: Yeah. So that's the
3: only thing that seemed to slow down the game a little bit for me.
1: Right, it was. And Ed really helped get us in the mood. He would do these, you know, sweeping gestures of placing the hand slowly <laughs> on the table, yeah. <laughs> taking a deep breath. <sighs> And and really trying to focus us, and I'm like, Ed, what are you doing? You really think this helps? And he's like, Yes, I do.
4: When I saw what Ed was doing, so many times, I was, okay, he 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 has a hundred percent control of what's going on. I'm going to do whatever I think he wants me to. And I think it's just be <laughs> totally. Oh, had you convinced. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of this game is posturing, and it's you know, if you can convince your teammates, you know what you're doing. They'll follow you, but Gee, it's all in the mind. Got to control the mind.
1: It's a tactic I use frequently, acting like I know what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> Fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But Ed was really into it, and I and I do think he's right. I I think this is a game where focus really helps. I did like the art. The cards are very simple looking. Uh, Just basically numbers on them, similar to the game we played called The Game. Um, And I will say that The Mind is a better name for a game than The Game.
2: A little easier to look up on the internet.
1: Just a tiny bit easier to look up online than looking up The Game. Mm -hmm. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury The Mind. Joe, how about you?
4: I dig this one up, though. For once, I'm not sure exactly why. (laughs) <laughs> Kurt, how about you?
1: So
0: definitely a dig it up. In fact, I just uh, got it from my uh, FLGS, um, and quite honestly, the reason is because um, I really do look for games that um, that have unique play experiences, and uh, this is definitely a unique experience to play. Um, it's something that you can play with with anyone, uh, regardless of skill level or anything else. And I, I think it's a it's just a delight.
1: For sure. What is FLGS?
0: Oh, sorry. Friendly local game store.
1: Yeah, that's always nice. We are very pro local game store. Um, Ed, how about you?
3: It's light. It's easy to learn. And it will take a few plays to master the mind. So I dig it up. Mike, how about you?
2: Well, I'm not going to give my opinion one way or the other because I didn't play it. But from what you guys said, I'm really looking forward to this one. It sounds far better than its uh, predecessor, the game.
1: It's easy to learn. It's quick to play. And the mindfulness focus angle, I agree with Kurt, it feels really fresh. The game feels fresh. I always like it when taking a deep breath feels like it's making a difference. So dig it up for me. (laughs) It retails for about $14.99. And like Kurt said, FLGS it, or you can also get it online. And if you have thoughts about the mind, please let us know. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First? Our next game up this week is The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31, designed by Joe Van Vietring, published by Project Raygun in 2017, number of players, four to eight, ages 17 and up, runtime one to two hours. Let's start with Kurt. Kurt, what did you think?
0: What do I think? I think some of this camp ain't what they appear to be.
1: <laughs> and Joe, how about you?
4: I wonder what Antarcticans think about their homeland's apparent link to survival.
1: <laughs> Native <laughs> Antarcticans. And Mike, how about you?
4: I
2: really hope this is better than the remake of the movie.
1: And <laughs> how about you?
3: I know I'm human. And if you were all these things, you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. No one yeah. trusts anyone now and are all very tired. <laughs>
1: for sure.
4: I know. I'm still you.
1: So the game has atmosphere in spades. And I genuinely started to feel an icy Antarctic chill as I played. Before we get into it, Ed, tell us a little bit about how it's played.
3: U.S. Outpost 31, Antarctica, 1,000 miles from nowhere. Third crazy Norwegian shooting at first at a dog and then you. Their base, not unlike yours, left the ruin. Littered with strange research notes and stranger carcasses. A 100,000-year-old alien vessel uncovered out in the ice. Well, what if it's already here with you? In this hidden identity game, you will relive John Carpenter's sci-fi cult classic, The Thing, in a race to discover who among the team had been infected with this hideous life form. Play as one of the 12 characters as you lead a series of investigations through the facility using supplies and equipment to clear the building. The tents mounts and paranoia ensues as you question who can you trust in the ultimate race to save humanity. The leader, for the current turn, draws a mission card and must assemble a team of players to complete that mission. Try to build a team that will bring the supplies needed to succeed. But if one of them is the thing, you may be sabotaged.
1: The thing.
0: Okay, and I just I just want to say one thing too, by the way. Um, Project Raygun, if you can't find him in a, uh, in a convention hall... That's because uh, this is an imprint of USAopoly, by the way.
1: Oh, that's
2: Uh, correct. Okay. Oh, snap. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Okay, very good. Thank you for that, Kurt. You know, I heard some online concerns about this game that uh, it's too easy to discover the imitation, which is, uh, Ed, what I assume you mean by the thing, right?
3: The thing. Right. So
1: uh, some of us are human. But some are given a card that say imitation, and that means you are the bad guy.
2: You're an alien. You're the traitor.
1: I should have just said thing. Yeah, but they use the term imitation. You're right.
0: Oh, well, no. You know why?
1: Why? Go ahead. Ooh, give us some info.
0: So if you are a fan of the film, as I am, um, the thing is usually in its like weird form. like It, it looks clearly alien. However, through most of the film... It imitates perfectly down to the the microbiome level a living thing. So, it might look like Mikey, but it's not it's an imitation.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, I stand corrected.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's meant to be creepy and spooky and scary. And I think the game evokes that pretty well. Oh, yeah. I, I ended up playing the imitation and I felt pretty creeped out the whole time. But trying to not get discovered was certainly stressful. How was it for the rest of you trying to discover who the thing was?
0: Well, we were terrible at it. Oh, it's super stressful.
3: I
4: was trying to figure out who it was, and I was like, it's "Like,
1: who's who, who growing up? We're getting
3: sabotaged at every turn. What's going on?
4: Oh, I was really trying to play it cool, but I was getting pretty nervous. Like, we didn't even get past the first
3: stage. I mean, we we were wrecked hard. Yeah.
0: We kept on rolling dice like garbage, you know, rooms started catching on fire and we didn't have the right things to put it out. Lights were going out. Nothing was working.
3: And everybody's like looking at each other, shrugging their shoulders. (laughs) It's like, okay. And even when the the thing wasn't in the room with it, it's like, okay, all we need is like 3D things. I got one. I got one. What do you mean? No one had the third one? Ah!
4: We were terrible. (laughs) It sounds like chaos. This is not a sprawling complex. It was like, you know, what, 10 rooms or something?
1: So the goal of the imitator, the thing, is to, you know, mess up as many missions without getting caught. I got to say, though, Kurt was on to me. Oh, yeah. And if the rest (laughs) of the team believed him, they would have won.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? See, I'm the backstabby guy. So everyone assumes I'm always the traitor. But I can tell you that one of you is the thing on that team. How do you know that? You weren't the thing. I know that because I'm human. Uh, That's exactly what a thing would
2: say. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's (laughs) verbatim how the script would read for
4: the bad guy. (laughs) Exactly. So,
1: <laughs> your reputation helped me out a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, yeah. So that also gives him a keen eye for who might be the backstabber, too. One
0: of the things I really liked is that for for the um, for the imitation, there are actually three ways that you can win, and I think that's kind of cool that there's that kind of multi dimensional uh, aspect. You can infect the humans by raising the contagion level to maximum. Mm-hmm. You can destroy Ooh. the outpost by, like, causing rampant destruction. Or if if they manage to, like, get through all three levels and they get to the helicopter at the end, there's this great moment that we never got to. But <laughs> the final captain gets to, at the end, select... Who is going to get on the chopper with them? Yeah. And they have to they have to leave no humans left behind. So in the end they are like deciding, okay, who is really the thing? If the thing gets on the chopper, they win.
2: So Oh, man. That one last decision. It's scary
1: and it's spooky. And I really feel like they evoked atmosphere very well in this game.
2: Yeah. It sounds like, from what you guys are saying, luck played a big part in the game. Do you think it was, like, too much of depended on luck or... In in our game,
0: I think luck factored in pretty heavily. Um, you, you do have to roll dice in order in order to succeed, but your dice pool is is built based on what people are playing cards into or what cards they have in their hand. But yeah, so I, I would say there is a level of luck, but there's also a game to be played here. So
2: oh,
3: I think one interesting um factor is the the mission card tell you, you have to who. The leader has to bring on the party. So, for example, it might say you have to bring four people, and one of them must be the scientist.
0: Right. And if the person mm-hmm. you think
3: is the thing
2: is the only scientist, you have to bring him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was actually pretty nice. I enjoyed that,
2: too. So, But eventually, by segregating them out, you can start figuring out who the thing is, probably. Well, see,
3: Celeste were pretty uh, good with her timing. When she was the leader, we actually succeeded.
2: Oh, smart. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of bluffing going on when you're the imitator. You know, you have to know when you can get away with sabotaging and when you can't.
3: Yeah, And a lot um, of
1: that will have to do with who you're bringing where. You yeah, know, and uh, I
3: think that's one of the reasons why we started leaning towards Kurt a little bit or eyeballing him. Because he was the only one not on the mission at that time. Because there were only five players. So when you do a four-mission uh, team... And oh, we were the last, and Kurt wasn't there, we succeeded. We started going, "Huh.
1: I began actively trying to point the finger at Kurt.
0: yeah, there's no question. <laughs>
1: yeah, when I yeah. saw that people wanted it to be him, you know, even if it was subconsciously <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> He just yeah. slowly
2: steered the ship that way, yeah. Uh huh. So the boys pointing
3: fingers at each other, and we're, we're, the rest of us per slob to try to figure out who's who who. Yep. and so <laughs>
4: Celeste
0: did a really good job of identifying like the the natural tendency for people to mistrust me, and yeah. and chose <laughs> yes. her moments very carefully so yeah. that it looked like bad things only happened when I was involved. So hats off to Celeste. <laughs>
1: <laughs> smooth, and it was still smooth. a close shave, though. I was sweating that last turn.
0: Yeah, I actually want to play this again because I feel like we only scratched the surface of play. Well, we certainly did. I think we only got
3: like to level two before things blew up and we died.
0: I think you know there's 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 more uh, fun to be had once you start really battling uh, the the thing. Once you start like really really trying to like identify who the traitor is. So I I think there's a there's a lot that we still have to discover on this game.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, it is time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury the thing. Infection at Outpost 31. Joe, what do you think?
4: Uh, The game could have been needlessly overcomplicated, but I think it's just right as it is in my admittedly limited experience. It really is all about the interplayer communication. Dig this one up and trust, but verify whenever you can.
1: (laughs) And Kurt, how about you?
0: So many games with a license never live up to the license. This one does, I say, dig it up.:
1: Good point, Mike,
2: how about you? Uh, I did not play this game, but I am really looking forward to it. It sounds like you guys had a blast. Ed, how about you? The game is thematically tense and seems
3: appropriately difficult for the human to win. So dig it up, but be careful what you
1: find might replace you. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, dig it up. It is spooky. And the bluffing angle of playing an imitation was something I'd love to see all of my friends try to get a handle on. Ed, where can you find this game?
3: The MSRP is $60. You can find it online or at your FLGS. (laughs)
1: If you have thoughts about The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First? Our last game up this week is Sagrada, designed by Adrian Adamescu and Daryl Andrews, published by Floodgate Games in 2017. Number of players, 1 to 4, ages 13 and up. Runtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Let's start with you, Joe. What did you think?
4: This game reminds me a bit of Azul, but for me Sagradas is a lot more fun, largely because the rules seem more intuitive.
1: Interesting. Ed, how about you? The Sagrada
3: Familia is estimated to be completed in 2026. Thankfully, this game is considerably less complex than the architecture of this basilica in Barcelona.
1: And Mike, how about you? I
2: love a game with a fistful of dice. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Sing, sing
1: it, brother. And how about you,
2: Kurt?
0: Beautiful game, beautifully imagined, and executed. Love it.
1: Yep, it's a little Azul and a little (laughs) Sharpshooters. And it's all dice, so I'm in. Joe, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Trying to score lots
4: of points, creating a beautiful stained glass cathedral window. If you're stuck, the game allows you to go off the beaten track to sweeten your options. You get a template with a score of very cute, very fun, very efficient little indented boxes to ensconce your dice into specific patterns. You get a little extra fun with hidden personal goals. I was surreptitiously scooping up lots of the red dice, since my template only actually required me to end up with a total of two red dice out of the 20 indentations. I was gleeful about my prospects of getting away with it. And win or lose being gleeful about my prospects is a big part of why I play games.
1: <laughs> it is a clever concept. I mean, the theme is sufficiently engaging, right? You're building a stained glass window. They give you these beautiful, translucent, six-sided dice— and they tell you to use the translucent dice, both as a mechanic for, you know, numbers and colors that you have to fit in a certain way, but also as you build it, the translucent dice themselves become the representation of the colored glass window, cute and clever.
3: The number uh, value is the, the shade of the color. So number one is a lightly shaded red dye, for example, it'll be a light shade of red, well, A red number six would be a dark shade of red.
1: Were the shades darker gray if they were a a darker, like a bigger number? I think they were.
3: Yes, they were. Templates sometimes required you to put a specific color dye, or sometimes you wanted to have a particular number in that spot. Or if it's white, you can put anything you want there.
1: Yeah, it's a grid, and you put your dice in certain order, and there are rules. You can't put certain dice next to other dice, either of the same color or the same number. Uh And that makes sense to the theme, right? You wouldn't want two colors that were too similar next to each other.
2: I want to build a little light box for this game and put the dice on top of that. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But overall, it's a very pretty game, and... And more strategy, I felt, than Azul. It is very similar in its style of laying things down. But in this one, you have the added mechanic of having to deal with the numbers on the die. And I liked that.
3: Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. It takes just a couple of terms to wrap your mind around the placement rules because they're really simple. You can't put... The same color die next to an existing color die that or the same number. But when you start putting the dice on the panel, you go, oh, wait a minute. That's going to cause problems for me later.
1: And it gets progressively more difficult the more dice that are on your on your window.
0: Yeah,
3: right. because you might find that you inadvertently locked yourself out from combination.
0: As soon as you play the your first game, you immediately want to play again because you're like, oh, wait, I could have done this way, way better. Way better. Yeah.
1: An interesting thing that they do with this game, which isn't in Azul either, is um, they, they let people play different cards. But I thought that was interesting. Like in Azul, you, you all play the same card. Um, but here you play different cards of different difficulties against one another. So they have to be balanced extremely carefully. And did you guys get a sense that it was balanced well?
3: Yeah, it seemed pretty, I mean, the chords were pretty close. I thought it was neat. And I liked that the, like you said, the window cards, they have different names on them. Like, for example, one is called the Shadow Thief and another one is called the Symphony of Light.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I saw my fellow players really struggling with placement, especially Joe and our friend Courtney played with us. And they were really struggling, but they had harder cards. They were playing two of the more difficult cards in the game. I chose to play a simpler card with less favors.
0: You can mitigate some of the the dice luck by properly using tool cards, too.
1: That's the point, right? If you have a tougher card, you get more tools to to offset that. But I didn't have that many. And I don't know. I never ran into a placement problem. Like, not once in the whole game. Except
3: for the very last die.
1: Well, I had to use all my tools. That is true. Um, And then I did end up the very last turn not being able to place. But uh, I did have a little bit of trouble waiting for other people to go. Well, for me,
3: when it was not my turn, I was looking at the dice to try to figure out which ones, if they were left, uh, I could use.
1: Yeah. In a drafting game, though, I find it difficult to do that. And And what we mean by drafting is the dice you're looking at in the center, you may not get a chance to grab because somebody ahead of you may grab that die. So I find that planning ahead can be very painful and agonizing. <laughs> well, part of what you
2: need to do in a game like that is to see what other people might grab and plan for that. Yes. Because sometimes you can tell what somebody's going to want yeah. and just plan ahead that way.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and yeah. some of the objective cards people have are public, so you're using that to you know try to gain some knowledge too.
3: I think the game has a good amount of um, randomness to it in the sense of each setup can be a different play experience because there are d- 12 different tools, and only three of them are going to be available, and there are different public objectives. And only three of those are available, so each game can feel a little different. Another thing I like the component of the player board. It's a really thick cardboard, and you slide little window card in there where you have places to put your
2: dice. It looked great. Uh, Kurt, you do some you do graphic design, right?
0: I do. Yes. I, in fact, I was just going to give a shout out to Peter Walken. Uh, he he was the uh, the graphic designer and illustrator for this game, and my God, um, people want to pick up this box off the shelf just because the art is so stunning. Um, great job creating, yeah, great job creating um, this stained glass feel through throughout everything, including the the name of the game and the images of the dice and the background of the cathedral uh, glass. Um, you just you want to touch everything. You want to pick up the box and. And the graphic art is really what it's doing that. They're, they're wonderfully, Daryl and Adrian created a wonderful game underneath it. So it it's going to deliver the, the the fun. But m- man, the appeal of the game is right there on the box.
2: It's awesome when you can get both of those things at the same time. <laughs> I've seen beautiful games that are terrible. I've seen hideous looking games that are amazing. <laughs> yep. It's good when you can get both in the same package. Yeah,
1: it, it clicks here. It definitely clicks. The flow between art and uh, mechanics is there
3: mm-hmm. i love the fact that it come put 90 dice mm. yeah
1: <laughs> all right time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury sagrada joe how about you
4: i have to say dig this game up i love everything about it
1: and kurt how about you
4: uh, i said it up at the outset it's just a beautiful
0: game it's beautifully imagined and put together that's to a dig it up for me
1: ed how about you
0: it's
3: easy to learn with interesting and sometimes tough choices and a ton of lovely dice. Dig this up and admire the finest
2: road-colored glass. Mike, how about you? Well, I'm still super jealous because this is the third game on the same <laughs> episode that I did not get to play. And it Mike. <laughs> sounds like they were all really good, um, but I'll withhold my judgment till I get a chance.
0: You're to play. kind of phoning it in here, Mike. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. totally phone
2: editing. <laughs> it might be because we have him in the basement
3: editing so yeah okay. we do we yeah, do keep true. him
1: chained to his laptop <laughs> that's fair <laughs> it's been a tough editing month for mike Oof, um, yeah uh i would definitely say dig this game up it is dice used in a clever way which i am a sucker for uh, there are lots of fun choices in this game so dig it up joe where can you find it
4: we found this at uh, the Gamers Gambit in Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, you, you can also find it on online shops. The MSRP is
1: $40. I love Gamers Gambit. That is a great little yeah. store. Yeah. If you have thoughts about Sagrada, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And before we leave, I just want to thank Kurt Covert from Smirk and Dagger Games for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kurt. Oh, you're very
0: welcome. This was a lot of fun.
1: and that's smirkanddaggergames.com and that brings us to the end of our show we look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done if you get a chance please leave us a review on apple Podcasts. it really helps others find the show if you'd like more perks or content you can support us for just three dollars a month go to our website and click on support us today Join our chat on our Discord server. Which game first? And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! Bye bye.
4: Happy thanks. <laughs> hurry up. Head to the Happy doctor. gaming. Thanks for spending time with us.